Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus uh, podcast. My name is Tim Whitaker, joined here by my co-host, Rob. Yes, here I am. Hello, Rob. And also, um, another special guest on the podcast via Skype, and also someone that I love a lot because I'm related to her, Justine. Hi, everyone. There you are. Skype is working. That's a good thing. It only took us about a half hour to get this stuff figured out again. Yeah, but that's less time than it was with Jordan. Jordan was a solid hour. <laughs> You're right. We had to troubleshoot so many things last podcast for Jordan, but he was worth it. He was worth it. So um, so much to hop into this episode, so I, I want to dig right into it. Um, first off, coffee that we're drinking. Technically, it's Dunkin' Donuts still being brewed via Rob's Mr. Coffee Maker. Oh, no, wait. Is that Black & Decker? Rob? It's a Black & Decker machine, but it's a Mr. Coffee. Okay, Mr. Coffee. Carafe or whatever okay. it's called. Got it. And I am drinking my typical and usual short uh, Starbucks coffee. Justine, are you drinking coffee at all right now? Uh, You you know what? I, I don't like coffee. <gasps> Blasphemous. Oh Get off the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we got to go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no problem. <laughs> Actually, our next guest, uh, who we're getting to, I don't think likes coffee either, so... Um, anyway, well, Justine, it's great to have you on the episode. Um, happy to have you on, finally. Thank you You're for welcome. inviting me. Yes, of course. You're very welcome. So, a couple of things I'm going to get out of the way. Um, a couple of things right off the bat. Our big announcement, Rob, that I've been holding on to for so long. I am so excited about this. Tim has been almost incapable of dressing himself in the morning. Listen. Last no, two nights ago, I was at a birthday party for a good friend of mine, and he asked me, who's this big guest? And I almost wanted to spill the beans, but I told myself, no, I will hold it in until I air the next episode. So here I am. So let me tell all the listeners out there this amazing story and how excited I am for this. So as you know, Rob, I've been rereading a book called Irresistible Revolution by the author Shane Claiborne. Now, Justine, I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of Shane Claiborne before? No. Okay. Shane Claiborne is an author, an activist, a uh, Christian activist. He actually has a, um, a place in Philly called The Simple Way, and they just take in the homeless. They have a house uh, right in Kensington, Philadelphia. They do a lot of social justice work, uh, really good stuff, um, kind of fighting you know, big corporate greed, that kind of thing. Um, really, really great speaker. So he wrote a book that I read. Actually, the first time I read it was almost nine years ago now when I was in Germany doing some missions work. And it just completely rocked me. The book was amazing, all about just uh, the idea of what if we just took the words of Jesus literally and then lived them out? Like if Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit and that we should take care of the poor, what if we just started doing that for real in the American church and got rid of our mega industrial complex as a church culture and just live with the poor and helped not just to give them charity, but to actually live among them and to live with them. It's a very good book. So I'm rereading it at Starbucks the other day, and I'm getting saved all over again. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a terrible Christian compared to this guy. Such a Pentecostal. <laughs> so it hits me. I'm like, you know, I should reach out to his organization, The Simple Way, right in Philly, and see if I can get one of those guys to come on the, the podcast. That would be cool. And in my head, I'm, I'm really thinking, I'm like, if I can get maybe one of like their leaders there or someone who's, who's been working with Shane for a long time, that'd be great because I would love for him to come on and talk to our base, which is really usually Christians. So I shoot them an email and I say, hey, my name is Tim Whitaker, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just want to know if anyone from The Simple Way is available for an interview. Um, that would be great. And I, I purposely did not mention Shane's name because I didn't want to be that guy. And we're, I mean, let's face it, we're not a huge podcast. We're pretty local. 
Um, and it is what it is, you know? So I send the email and within maybe five minutes, I get a response from this girl. I think her name is Rachel. And she goes, hey, Tim, good to hear from you. Um, I would love to uh, set you up with an interview. I can actually have Shane Claiborne interview you or, or uh, interview with you. How's that? And in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like freaking out. Like, Shane freaking Claiborne on my podcast. Oh, my gosh. But in my head, I was all calm, cool, and collected. And I responded, that would be fine, period. Yeah, I had to play it off all cool. But... <laughs> We are interviewing Rob Shane Claiborne on this podcast next week. It is going to be awesome. I am so excited about this. I can't believe it. I feel like I feel like I've hit the big time. No, you hit the big time when I joined your podcast. Okay, all right, fine, fair enough, fair enough. But I'm just saying, I'm I'm very excited because I just have so many things to ask him, and the reason why is because he he strikes me as a very genuine guy. Maybe we don't agree on certain things. That's fine, but he. Truly, I believe, wants to follow as best as he can the teachings of Jesus, and he forsakes everything else that kind of comes along with that baggage sometimes in Christianity. And I respect that uh, immensely about him. So I'm I'm very excited for that interview, which we'll be uh, doing next week. I think the 16th of February or something like that, and then we'll post it as soon as we can. But anyway, I wanted to share that with the listeners. I'm I'm very excited. So. Ah, I feel so much better, Rob. That is finally off of it's your chest. off my chest. I can breathe again. Woo! Holding that one in was tough. <laughs> I'm not a good secrets guy because I'm Italian. And Justine can attest to this. Our Italian family is not a secret family. It's just not how it works. No. Right? Mm-mm. Not at all. No. You, you tell exaggerated truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds about right. God bless them. So, anyway, so let's keep moving on here because that's, again, a huge announcement, but there's more to come. Rob, let's move right into our segment, uh, our newly rebranded segment, Christians in Politics. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Welcome. Um, I'm getting to the point where I'm debating, should I just start another podcast about full politics? That way I'm not eating into this. I don't know. What was that? (laughs) One more time. You cut out there for a second. I just said you should, yes. Oh, I should, yes. There you go. Um, our president, President Trump, is back in the news. Um, National Prayer Breakfast, and uh, I actually had two friends who went to the prayer breakfast. They're actually very involved with this stuff, so I got this from the horse's mouth. Um, and it appears that President Trump, when he did the prayer breakfast, it didn't go over super well in the room. Um, after uh the chaplain got up and spoke, which was a great message. I heard it was amazing. I heard it was amazing. President Trump, the first thing he says is, if this is an appointed position, can we appoint you again? And then says, ah, what the hell? We'll do it. We'll appoint you for next year. <laughs> I mean, the first thing out of this guy's mouth is a swear word in, in Christian circles. I mean, that, that's a word that you just don't say ever. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This guy is. <laughs> I mean, could you picture if Obama said that? Could you uh, picture what Sean Hannity would say the next day? Oh, they would have been all over him. Oh, my word. Tr- uh, President Obama, the tyrant, saying curse words at the national prayer breakfast. Some Christian he is. I mean, come on. Ah, sometimes you, I, it's just too easy sometimes. You, you can't make it up. No. And uh, my buddy who went, his name's Donald, he said that uh, he read it, you know, he read like off of a strip, like, like you know, a script like you normally would, but it was very forced. He didn't really understand, I think, what he was saying, but... Anyway, so that's the Christians in Politics segment because 
I don't even know where to start sometimes. And I don't want to rant again. I've done it plenty of times. Everyone knows my feelings about Trump. It's not my thing. But that's for another conversation. Sure, I'm sure actually it's going to be for this conversation that we're going into because it's going to get political pretty quick. So, Oh, without a doubt. Justine, this is why you're here. This is where you come in. <laughs> so, Hello. Hi. So, Justine, let me tell you a little bit of background here, and then I'm going to get some of your thoughts and your honest opinion on some of this stuff, okay? Yeah. So President Trump gets elected. And mm-hmm. um, the next day, there's a humongous march all over the world, really. I mean, it was pretty large. Millions of yeah, women was- uh, millions of women marching and um, protesting. I, I mean, and on, this, these are all honest questions here. I'm just trying to decipher. Was the march more about Trump being in office or was it more about women's rights? Um. For me personally, I think it was both. I, I did go. I went to the Philadelphia March. Okay. Um, I think that when I was there, I think it was, I don't want to say it was a, a direct protest of Trump being in office, but it was more of a sign of, you know, the Women's March has been going on for years. Hmm. Um, it's not the first Women's March. Um, but there was a huge outturn because of what Trump was saying during his election campaign. Um, he degraded a lot of women in his comments, and it, so it angered a lot of women all around the world, not just mm-hmm. in the States. Yep. Um, and I think there was a huge outcry, kind of like it was, you know, officially, officially it is a march for women's rights, but I think unofficially it was also kind of saying like, you know, to him and his administration and his cabinet saying and kind of warning him that, you know, you're in there for the next four years. And we know what you think of us based on what you've said during your campaign. And we're going to be watching you and trying to make sure that we are here and we are going to fight for our rights, basically. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think definitely when everything is through a media lens, it's really hard to know, like, you know, exactly what's going on. Because you read, you know, one side of the story, it's kind of biased one way. You read the other side of the story, it's biased the complete other way, depending on which news you know network you're watching at the time. Um, so I'm glad that yeah. you actually went cause it's good to get like from the horse's mouth, what the, uh, uh, you know, at least what the main centrality theme around the March was. So why don't you give, uh, for the listeners out there a little bit of your background, kind of how you got to some of the views that you hold now, some of the work you've been doing with, with the nonprofit that you're with and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, like you said, I've been working with nonprofits. Um, I'm a young female, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, most of my work has been abroad. Um, I've spent some time in Tanzania most recently for about a, year, a little over a year and a half now, and I've just returned to the States. Um, and before that I was in China for, for, uh, different kinds of study work, um, over there during my undergrad, which is in economics. Um, so my views, um, and I think this is actually really important from a feminist side is, is, you know, it's important to point out that I am a white female. Um, and so I think that will probably tie into the Women's March, I'm sure, and also, um, you know, the feminist movement. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a white female and I was brought up generally uh, not middle class, lower than middle class, um, in a very rural, mining, mountainous area. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that's my background. <laughs> um, 
like uh, from a religious standpoint, where did you, how would you, how was your upbringing? Uh, yes, yeah. so I would say I am not I'm um, not religious in any way. I am respectful of all religions, um, but I don't I don't have a faith. Okay, it's just so we know where you're at and kind of what shaped your your views as well. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up at all though uh, religious in your family? Justine, like was that like a big part of of your upbringing? And then at some point you just made a decision ar- around how you felt about it, or was it not really in your upbringing at all as well? Um, it was in my upbringing actually quite a bit. My mother and father were very uh, religious people growing up, um, but there was a time I think uh, later in my life that I didn't really connect to the religion in the way that they did, and I just kind of. Uh, grew away from it. Um, I don't feel a connection, especially, to, and my parents were Christian. Okay, that helps. Um, so let me ask you this then, and I only ask this because I think a lot of times certain words that uh, certain words that we use, you know, like uh, feminism or liberal or conservative, they can become different definitions according to different people. So just for the sake of our conversations today, how would you define feminism? Okay, so to me, yes. uh, feminism is basically just equal rights for all for gender, <laughs> for all sexes and for all genders. Okay. Um, equal rights on all fronts. Okay, so you're pretty much saying that you know you agree with and you're for equal pay, um, all legal rights, just to be equal. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. So um, a couple questions I have because honestly, I think, and Rob would probably agree with me here, I... I agree with that statement 100%, especially as a Christian more than ever, um, that women should have those things without even a question. Um, Rob, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, and I think even when we look at the biblical account, um, like the Apostle Paul or Jesus himself had those same attitudes. Um, Jesus went and talked to a woman at the well in Samaria, which was something that, one, Jewish people didn't do, and two, men didn't do at that time. So it was completely different. And that's why she even said, why are you talking to me? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that lines up exactly like we, we would agree. Okay. So here's my, here's my first question then. And again, this, is, this comes out of a mindset of I'm just curious how you reconcile some of these things that I've thought about that aren't consistent for me. So the first one I want yeah. to ask you, Justine, is and I'm sure you've heard about, the, uh, about this. There was, um, I guess, um, a pro-life group that was also a feminist group in every other respect that I think was trying to, and correct me if I'm wrong here, was trying to sponsor or be one of the sponsors of the Women's March and then got denied because they were pro-life, even though they were feminists in other respects. Yes, that's true. Okay. Um, Give me your take. So, yeah, so so the justification for this um, is that you can absolutely 100% be pro-life on a personal level. Okay. Um, but the idea of taking, the idea of pro-life in and of itself, of these movements, of these organizations, is to take the right away from women to have an abortion or to control their bodies. And so for pro-choice people, um, which is, I would say, a large majority of the feminists now, okay. um, it's seen as them taking away rights, not giving them. And so even though they feel, you know, yes, they want their equal rights, they don't view abortion the same way at all. Right. Um, yes, pro-life definitely. people feel abortion, um, you know, you need to protect their life. It's, it's usually a more conservative viewpoint. And they feel that abortion actually 
um, uh, hinders women's development. Um, they feel like if you offer, it's not, abortion is not the solution. Um, it's a Band-Aid. That's how pro-life people feel. They feel it's a Band-Aid um, and covering up other issues. So women would have babies, essentially, from their point of view. They would have babies if they were provided equal pay, if they were provided, you know, um, all the necessities in order to have a, in order to have a child. Um, however, on the other side of that, uh, from a pro-choice standpoint, it's seen as them taking away women's rights. And so um, it's really uh, prom- problematic, especially for the Women's March, who marches on, you know, making sure that Roe versus Wade stays into effect. Yeah, um, fair point. Now, and I don't want to get sucked down this, uh, this debate of the pro-life, pro-choice movement. There's plenty of other discussion to be had. So I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I do have a question around that. Something that a conservative, a yeah. conservative would probably say is, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is that you know, um, we're protecting the rights of the, woman, of the woman in the womb. Is that not a valid argument from that, side, for, uh, from that viewpoint? No, it is. There's no, it, honestly, at the end of the day, it comes down to which life do you value more, right? Which, which life has the right? Okay. Right? Yeah. And so for people who are pro-choice, it's the, it's the woman. And for people who are pro-life, it's the baby. It's the fetus. And so you can't, you know, when does life begin? None of us really can answer that question, honestly. Um, maybe some scientists. Um, but I mean, it, it's not really uh, it's not really one way or the other. I believe, um, you know, that the woman should have the right. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that baby shouldn't have the right either. I just feel that um, the woman has been brought up in society and they have the right of their body. And right now that child is in the body. Okay. Yep. But it's a fair argument. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I have done, and again, I'm by, by I am by no means, and you can attest to this, Justine, uh, and very smart when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I did do a little bit of research, um, kind of leading up to this, and just in general, because the abortion conversation has come back into the spotlight with the women's march and with Trump and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I was reading online just a few different like scientific articles and some uh, peer-reviewed articles. And again, I'm not a scientist, so I can't speak for the whole community, but the impression I got and um, was that, generally speaking, most scientists would say that, that, that life does begin at conception. Now, they have different terms as far as, uh, as, far as what, what they actually call the embryo, or, or I believe it's called a zygote. Am I saying that right, Rob? Yes. Okay. Um, but the, the consensus that I was reading from, from several different, again, peer-reviewed people who are specialists in their field with, with embryonic research or just all that kind of stuff was that, was that some form of life begins um, at conception. And I think that's really why we have this divide is because um, people who are, and again, I, I hate to allow politics to define you know certain viewpoints because I, because I tend, even though I tend to be uh, pro-life, I am, I think, in a lot of other ways, very pro-women um, in other respects. But when it comes to the the the, the child in the womb, the, uh, you know, except for I would I would say some pretty rare exceptions, I think that the pro-lifers would say, um, well, that that is a child in the womb, um, and it's not, even though it's attached to the mother. Um, it's not the mother's body, and that's why it should not be allowed to be terminated, uh, given any special circumstances. I, I think some will argue, such as rape, or such as you know, if it's endangering the life of the child, which I think is a much more plausible debate. Um, do you think that that 
that that there's any room for that discussion in the feminist movement to have an honest discussion about that about that issue? I think there is. Um, I think you know. I think something feminist um, feminism just historically and now forever um, it's always going to be uh, you know trying to include different mindsets. Okay. Right. Um, but it's it again it is I think also when you say pro choice yeah. right yeah. Um, and then pro life so it's it's not about it's it's about giving them the option it's not you know, trying to make people have abortions or not valuing, you know, a possible life inside you. Um, you know, it's not trying to, to, to make it that way. Uh, but, I mean, that's, you know, it, it, there's no, there's no uh, right answer for that, I don't think. And it just it comes down purely to what you believe. And do you feel, like this is kind of moving on, but in the same vein, do you feel that there are some let's call them hyper-feminists that speak more loudly for the group where um, their viewpoint is, you know, is what is portrayed on media or those are the clickbait articles that we have. Yeah, right, right. And that really isn't the, the whole of the group. It's just a louder voice that is more prone to be put out there because it's so abrasive. Mm. I think no matter... I mean, this is across the board, right? Any Definitely. opinion, you're going to you're gonna have fanatics in every kind of, you know, opinion out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I would say when it comes to feminism, there is, there is an, a boiling anger, just like the Black Lives Matter movement, right? There's kind of this anger that kind of goes with it because people don't feel that they're being heard. And when people don't feel like they're being heard, they tend to become more and more outspoken and more and la- more loud. Um, and I think for myself, I think um, I did have a period of my life where I just, you know, I fought everyone with words and, and no one listened. Um, <laughs> and so I've kind of, I've kind of tried to uh, detract from just like shouting it out, you know, thinking that I could you know, honestly do that and have people listen to me. Um, but it's a, it's a growing process for, for anyone. But I do think that there is kind of an underlining like anger um, that comes with this movement because we're talking, about, we're talking about a movement that goes back, you know, to the 1800s. And we still don't feel equal, right? Or, or some women still don't feel equal. Okay. Um- do you, what do you, I mean, and again, just getting down to, uh, to uh, specifics here, what are some ways that, 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 that you see in our culture right now that, that the equality part is just not there yet? Oh boy. Well, I'm ready. So it's, it's, Unload. For me, <laughs> so for me, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm speaking, and this is like a big thing in feminism is, you know, a white woman speaking about feminism how, and how, you know, what, inequalities that she experiences versus someone who's a, who's a black woman or a Hispanic woman. Um, so for, for a white woman in general, it's usually like within the household we're talking about. So equal pay, when we talk about equal pay, um, for, for a white woman, it's, you know, 78 cents on the dollar and that's the same job. We're not talking about the husband making more than the woman in the household. We're talking about a woman and a man have the same job. Um, and he's being paid more. And it happens. It happens a lot. And just within my life experience, I've seen women get denied for roles because they were pregnant. 
Hmm. That was that was a discussion my male boss, white male boss, had with me. I wanted to hire someone, and they wouldn't hire her because uh, she was pregnant, um, and they didn't want to deal with it. Uh, hmm. They thought it would be bad for her to be in a leadership role and have a child, and that happened overseas a lot as well because women who wanted to work overseas in the same positions I did, if they had children, it would complicate um, and make them and make the nonprofit pay out more. Um, so it's difficult. So a lot more men were hired in these positions um, against my wishes. Uh, and so th- it happens. And I think that um, many women who, who feel that it doesn't happen just really haven't, they either don't understand, don't, they either don't think that they've experienced it because they don't know that they weren't hired for a position because of those reasons, or they don't know that they're making less, um, or they really haven't experienced it, and that's wonderful for them. But there are uh, a lot of people who do experience it, and I think we have to be open to understanding that. What do you think drives this divide? Because everything you're saying so far, I think minus the the, uh, abortion issue, I can't see anyone either not being able to empathize with or or agree with or say, yeah, like I agree. Like if women are getting paid 78 cents on the dollar for the same exact job with the same exact history, um, that's not okay, and that needs to be addressed. What do you think is this disconnect between both sides of the of of the um, of the political spectrum here? Why they why they they choose not to agree on things like this that I think are just so easily it's so easy to find common ground on them. You, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the word, you know, just the word feminist has been painted as like a dirty word. Um, and that's from years before. Um, there's also, <laughs> there's, sorry, my there's also, there's um, also, there's also problems. There, there are problems with feminism. Uh, one of them is not being inclusive of other, you know, women. So the, the feminist movement since the first wave, which started around uh, the 1800s and ended in 1920 when women got the right to vote was completely um, it has been very historically altered to paint the white women, middle class women as the ones who led that movement and that's not 100% true um, and so there is a lot of historical problems between white women versus other uh, feminists of color or women of color and I think that, so if you look at the women's march I would say, at least in Philadelphia, and I probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't actually know the facts on this, that most of the people who went, the women who went, and the men who went, were white. Um, and that's a problem. Um, there's, there's, because, you know, if you're, if you're a black woman, you're going to identify more with the, with the issue of, like, Black Lives Matter, or if your children are dying on the streets, and if uh, we can't find a section of that, then that's, that's, like, kind of a big deal. And so... Within the feminist movement, there's already problems. And then outside of that, it's very easy to paint feminists as angry uh, women who aren't appreciative of the rights that they do have. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Um, you know, yeah, it's one of those things where it's it's so hard to, like, really know what's going on, right? Because, at least, at least for me, because I... A lot of my circles, a lot of my social media feed, a lot of it is on is more of that conservative feed that I see a lot. Um, and then, of course, you have the other side on my Facebook feed as well that's equally loud. And it's hard to know like, who's really telling the truth. 
And when it comes to feminism as a whole, I kind of see that movement um, that started out as really equality for women. And there are, I think, in my opinion, some of those who are more on the fringe extreme who are advocating for more than just equality, but almost like, I don't want to use the word like dominance over men. That, that's not what I'm trying to say, but more of like a anything a man does is automatically sexist no matter what they do. Like if, if, if I said, oh, yeah, Sarah's my wife and she trusts me to make decisions about certain things. Someone could say, well, you're just a domineering man who wants Sarah to have no rights. And I'm like, no, um, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that this is how our marriage really works and we're both in agreement with it. Um, and there's things that maybe she leads to. But no matter what I would say, I can't win because I am a man and there's nothing I can do to fight that perception that I'm just an evil man who wants to lead or, or not lead, just to beat down women and steamroll them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely does. And if you are a white person in general, you can find the same kind of dynamic happening when you talk to um, a black American. Right. Right? Exactly. It's because, again, it's because, you know, women have really been fighting for so long. And I think there is something, I know, like, the whole, it's kind of like almost a joke now to check your privilege, but there is something to that. Mm -hmm. Right? And, like, yes, um, you know, you can be open and you can try to discuss, but it's also, you know, these you know, women and minorities have been fighting for rights for a very long time. You're talking generations of people sometimes, um, of families. And I think there's a, first there's a, there's a huge frustration. Um, and, and look, I mean, I think it's especially coming out now because of who our president is. Um, and people feel like, I think there was a part of people that felt like, oh, things maybe things really are moving along, maybe they are, and now with their with the with Trump, um, I don't. I it was almost like a slap in the face, like no, they aren't. You know what I mean? I, I um, do, I do, but um, I just see so much of this though, always coming back though to the same issues, which is um, sexual reproductive rights. That's what I see so much of the the fighting coming always against. Like even in a lot of the pictures I saw. Uh, and again, I, I didn't see the whole, every person you know holding every sign, but the theme that I that I think a lot of people, are, at least the impression they get, is that is that the the argument is that well, Trump will stop us from being able to abort um, someone in the womb, and that's that's what I'm fighting against. Um, and I think that's really the perception that the feminist movement has to fight if they want to be seen as you know, bigger than, bigger than just that. Because honestly, even as a Christian, I fully, I'm all about, you know, sexual education and using contraceptives and birth control and stuff like that. I just stop when it comes to things that can cause either, um, you know, um, uh, like a plan B mentality where it aborts the fetus or any, any kind of, you know, any, any abortion after that, that, that point. But everything up until that point, I think is really good that we do for the sake of, you know, people being, uh, women being able to make their own decisions around when they want to get pregnant and not. But I think that stereotype or that stigma of the feminist movement being just so centered around the abortion issue, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because even though it is a very important issue, I do think that they end up losing quite a bit of people over that issue because of how loud they are when it comes to that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, well, first off, I just want to say Plan B is not an abortion. Sorry. Um, but uh, it, I think that, I, but abortion is such a, it's such a big, um, it was such a big and long fight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to even allow um, 
you know, that to happen. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really matter um, to other people, I think, mm-hmm. from my perspective, whether or not, you know, whether or not somebody else gets an abortion. And I understand, like, the life, the life um, argument. However, sure. Sure. Uh, the thing is, it's not just about a woman's body, right, or the life inside, but what kind of services are we offering women if, they, if they're not allowed to have an abortion and they do become pregnant, yeah. um, wh- where is this child going to go if yep. they don't want this child? Right. And so if you are going to support abortion, then you better also support a very intense you know, welfare system to aid these kids throughout their life. Because if the mother doesn't want this child, she's not going to have it. She's not going to keep it. I um, think right I think there you're on the money, 100%. And it, it's funny yeah. because Julia and I were, were talking about... Um, because we'd love we'd love to adopt if the Lord lets us do that. We would love to adopt at least one, if not more, children at some point. And she was had the idea of we should just go to an abortion clinic and say we will adopt your baby right here, right now. Hmm. And I had to be honest with her. I was like, Do you know how much that will cost? Right. I said that will be upwards of fifty thousand dollars. I said it's cheaper to go to China and adopt a baby than it is to adopt one from our neighbor. Yeah. And I was like, That's absolutely. And that that's Absolutely. yeah that that comes to what you're what you're saying is that why do we have laws like that why why is that so hard to do if that was easier I think there would be a lot less abortions I couldn't agree with you anymore Robin just seeing this is something that I've been very critical of when it comes to the church you know we even that term pro life I don't think is consistent with what most people mean pro life we really mean pro birth um, you must have this child and after that see you later you know it's, it's really your problem kind of mentality. Um, and we, as a as a church who claim to be the hands and feet of Jesus, who claim to be the light of the world, we really have um, a major opportunity, I think, to step up um, and offer a better solution than abortion. Um, so on, on that end, I think you and I are really agreed on that. I agree. If, if there is no other option, then what is the only option then, right? Because I, honestly, I don't think that Roe v. Wade, even with, with Trump in, no matter how much he wants to paint a picture of it being overturned, I don't see that really happening anytime soon. And even if it did, I don't think it would still solve the heart problem that abortion creates. There has to be a different solution to it than just a law. Um, and I think that a lot of churchgoers, a lot of people in the faith, they have kind of bought that lie of, well, if we just get it overturned, suddenly abortion will just stop and God will come back and we're all healed and everything's made right again. But that's not how that works because you don't change hearts by legislating morality. (laughs) That's just not how that process happens. But we have an obligation as Christ followers to give those people better alternatives, such as we will so happily take your child. But like Rob said, when the cost is $50,000, it makes it very difficult. Yeah, and also, like, we're talking about, you know, there are very, there aren't as many people um, who want to adopt, as you think. Mm. You know, I work in an orphanage, and there's people, you know, they want to have their own children. And so, if you, if you are like, okay, you know, you have to give birth, um, you know, there needs to be a really big system in place. Mm. Um, some kind of welfare system probably provided by the government or nonprofits that are going to enable these kids because the worst possible environment for a child is in foster care. It's yeah. been like proven over and over again. Um, it's the worst possible thing to do to a child. And, uh, you know, the crime rates would increase. You know, there's, I don't know if I'm an econ major, but I don't know if you guys have read Freakonomics, um, yes. but they make a very valid point about crime 
crime rate going down when abortion was made legal. Um, and it's pretty valid um, if you look at their statistics. Um, but, you know, it's, it, if we don't allow some kind of system in place, then it's going to have very negative effects on society because most women know when they're ready to have a child, I think. Um, and if they want a child, and if they can be good mother, mothers and provide financially for them. I do think I would respect, um, you know, when I get into arguments with um, people who are more conservative about, you know, abortion, and I do think you should have the right for abortion, but I think when I get into discussions with the conservative side of that, you know, it's just like, like you said, it's have the baby, and I'm like, well, wh why do you argue against contraceptives then? Or why do you argue against, like, foster care system or it doesn't add up to me on my side sure it's not consistent yeah okay well i appreciate you answering that because I, I i want to kind of get i wanted to get a little in depth with that part of it because i know that's a very big it's one of the big reasons why i think so many and again i'm generalizing here but conservatives are so adamant at being against feminism i think that's one of the main reasons uh, but it's good to have someone who is a part of that movement being able to articulate clearly at least at a minimum why they believe what they believe and because you, you you can have a discussion around that you know what i mean it's one thing when it's all talking points and it's all facebook conversations but when you have a cup of coffee with someone and you actually get into it you find out that you agree on more than you would really think that you would than, than, than you really assumed you know um, I want to change gears a little bit. I, I, one more question that, that has, and this is kind of a lighter one, but it's kind of been nagging me a little bit. So, um, I, and I'm, I, I don't know if you know this, Justine, but I was very outspoken against Trump. I was not a Trump fan at all. Still, I'm not. Still, I'm not. I have, I have not changed. I was no Hillary fan either, for the record, at all. But uh, what made me so angry about Trump was, was how so many Christians embraced him and tried to justify how he was a good Christian man, which to me is so preposterous. I didn't even know where to start. Right. Yeah. If you wanted to support him because you thought he was better for the country, that's one thing. Right. But don't say he's a better Christian. <laughs> right. Right. No. Right. He prayed. No. A, he, he prayed a prayer once. He must be a good Christian man. Yeah. No. It, that that kind of nonsense does not fly with me. But um, one of the reasons that I was so against him, I believe you, you would agree with this as well, uh, Justine, was that he was very vulgar. Um, a lot of comments he made on on hot mics, the way he talked about his daughter on Howard Stern. I mean, just things that were so inappropriate, just so ridiculous and in my opinion, just really terrible things to say that really shows the heart. I, I just thought he was so unfit to lead a country if he couldn't lead his own family. You know, to me, being on three different marriages, uh, bragging about his infidelity, uh, posing on the cover of Playboy magazine, just all these things that a quote-unquote Christian man, you know, really shouldn't be doing. <laughs> and here he is saying, oh, I'm a Christian, and then having this, all, all these kind of things come out. So, that yeah. being said, why... When the again, I'm going back to these marches here. I saw so much vulgarity on the other side of the women's march. Uh, Madonna, some of her quotes were just really, you know, blowing up the White House or thinking about blowing up the White House. And there was a, there was another actress who went on, on a long kind of like spoken word, like a poetry slam, and it was kind of vulgar and a lot of vulgar signs and just a lot of stuff that I saw that I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm all about not being vulgar. I think that's great. But if you're going to yell at one guy for being vulgar, how can you then justify your own side being in some ways even more vulgar? How is that okay? So I wanted to ask you because I know you were there. Is there a reason mm -hmm. that, 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 that one side over the other can, can kind of call out the other side for being vulgar while being vulgar themselves? I mean, this, 
honestly, it it depends on for me. It for on a personal level, it depends on what's being said and who's saying it and what's going on and what's the circumstance. Sure. However, I think generally, um, this is just a uh, it's the reaction, right? It's the reaction or the counteraction to what's being said about them. And so, mm. when you get in an argument with people. Um, if they say something nasty, you're going to try and say something nasty back. And something that's bothered me in general is people picking on the way Trump looks. Hmm. Um, yep. Honestly, it's like he's got, in my opinion, he has so many flaws and you're going to pick on the way he looks. And it's just like, yes, maybe we can joke about it. I think everyone kind of picks on the presidents and celebrities in real life, but it's sure. not the way to go about it. And I think it paints the liberal, um, you know, majority in a very negative light because if, if, anybody had said the same things about Hillary if she was in, in the presidency. There would have been an incredible uproar about how you're, you know, you know, targeting a woman and her looks and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he, I think that like, uh, just like our media, right? So more and more progressively, our media has, you know, become really like right or really left. Yeah. Um, and they, they were acting to each other. So Fox News started becoming progressively and progressively more right. And then MSNBC decided to become more and more progressively liberal in order to gain viewers and blah, blah, blah. Right. right. Yep. And so on one hand, it's, it's for, you know, viewership, for reactions. And on the other hand, I think it's just it is a reaction to what's going on. I was really angry when Trump's pussy comment came out. I was furious. And I think I probably in the vicinity of my home said very mean things about him um, because I just found it absurd. Um, and I was even more angry that he still won the election after that comment. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's those, it's those things and it's not necessarily, you know, a good thing at all. I think for me, I think uh, we need to start having serious conversations that are understanding and we need to listen to each other on both sides because our politicians are not really doing that for us. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in full agreement and it's something that has also bugged me. Um, I almost think of it, I almost say to myself, who's going to be the bigger person here? <laughs> because it's just so much mudslinging on all sides. And I agree, you know, uh, liberals or again, liberals or, or the left was quick to point out, you know, um, people on the right who made very inappropriate comments about Barack Obama when he was in office about his skin color or going, you know, making comments like go back to Kenya. I mean, things that were so terrible. But then when there was a naked statue of Trump found in New York City where he had a very small man genitalia. Part, yeah, genitalia, uh, that's hilarious and that's funny and that's, you know, ha, ha, ha. And I'm thinking, wait a second, wait a second. You know, for me, consistency is a very big value of mine. If, if we're not going to be consistent, how can you really claim to believe what you believe? If you're going to say, oh, you shouldn't say that about one president, but hey, let's make fun of the other guy because he's maybe not as nice or I don't like him, you really do yourself no favors because who wants to believe that? You know what I mean? Um, and it's... It, it, I think it's a problem. I mean, I'm looking up. Um, I think it was Ashley Judd who had the the spoken word. And obviously, I, I know she's angry. But listen, when you compare any sitting president to Hitler, which she did, and she says, "I feel Hitler in these streets, a mustache traded for a toupee, Nazis renamed." I mean, that's some pretty extreme language to be using for a guy who was, I think, at that point, 24 hours in office, and even though has said some really terrible things. 
at this point hasn't mentioned wanting to wipe out whole sections of people. I just think that when you make these huge comparisons, you end up even losing the people that the people that that really really need to hear it the most because you're so fired up. Which I understand the fire, I understand the passion. I mean, I I get I, I, when when that came out that comment that you mentioned, I was equally I was so I was frustrated and I was even more aggravated that Christian leaders still defended him I'm, I'm oh, you can ask Rob I was even off the air just ranting about how can someone like Jerry Falwell vote for a guy who makes those kinds of comments it's so un it's so inconsistent with the Christian worldview I was so angry over that but you have to find a way to channel that to get your voice heard by people who need to hear it the most. And I think that's that's maybe something that, that I mean, really both sides, but for this time of the country, the left needs to really pick up and start learning because they're they're not doing themselves any favor by calling bigger names or louder names or, or, or doing a lot of the same things that they call conservatives out on eight years ago. Yeah, and I do, I just want to point out, I mean, I, I do think there are people who are really... Doing what you say, I do. I I do. I feel that way, and I hear it, and I'm, I don't really approve. But I do think it's important to also understand the difference between satire versus hate speech. Sure. Right. Yep. And what Trump does is 100% hate speech. Um, I think he's gotten in office, and people are trying to like write things for him, and he kind of reads, and you can totally tell when he's reading something. <laughs> right. Straight off of like a. Of like a paper someone wrote for him. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to improvise. And as soon as he starts to improvise, it becomes, you know, hate speech. Um, and no, he hasn't, you know, advocated to to kill an entire race of people, but he's banned, mm-hmm. you know, he's tried he just tried to ban Muslims from the country. And that is I, I have know, to cut you off right there. He did not try to ban Muslims from the country. You don't think so, Rob? No. All right, he I didn't, disagree with you, so go ahead, Rob. He, he didn't the top 10 countries with the highest Muslim population, he didn't ban those countries whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He banned where Islamic terrorism is prominent. Uh, That's much different. Yeah, but he's called it a Muslim yeah. ban himself in the past. He has called for a ban of Muslims entering the country, and then he's doing it. That's why people call it a Muslim ban. But it's, it's the same thing that Obama did. But no, no, it's definitely yes, it, not. Yes, it no, is. Justine, it, but can Obama's, you please back me up here? Obama's vet was six months, not no, three I months. Do. And from for for me for those for those countries that he banned, no terrorists from those countries ever came from those countries. In, in, that attacked our country. Yep. Preach. There was no terrorists from those countries who attacked our country. That's right. That's absolutely correct. I, I and I people I, I'm, of course listen. Once something comes out, the other side has to chime in and they oh well Obama's already sanctioned this yada yada yada. That's not the same. That's not the same thing at all. He. Trump has imposed it's not a specific type of ban like when Obama put up put a halt on the Iraqi refugee program that was a specific thing he was saying I got to put a halt on this to vet I understand that but when you say hey these uh, countries blanket blanket no one's coming in that is first off that's not smart it's not intelligent and it's people gotten people had major problems coming into the country lawyers who were who were trying to migrate over here on planes were detained once they landed I'm not saying it was perfect. <laughs> I'm just saying that it wasn't a Muslim ban. But and, yeah, go, go, go ahead, Justine. But, go ahead. You, you chime in. Honestly, okay. So if we're going to talk about Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia lives. Their constitution is basically the Quran. It is the most Muslim country. But the only reason it wasn't banned, most likely, mm-hmm. uh, this is a theory, not fact. <laughs> 
but probably because of oil yep. and probably because of business. I couldn't agree with you more. Ab- you're, abs- you're absolutely on, on the money. Are the ones who did 9-11. So why didn't we not ban Saudi Arabia? Listen, if I'm this, with you. You know? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Saudi Arabia. There are a lot. There's a great documentary on Netflix. It's called Inside Saudi Arabia. They take undercover cameras in there. It it is unbelievable, um, what they do to women, how they treat people. Um, I'm. T- it's it's not good. Now, of course, you know Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, whole different discussion. You know, no one's no one's hands are clean here. But I think Justine's point is correct. With if you're going to really go after, or, or if, if you're going to really make it a national security issue, you have other countries that are are funneling money and supporting much bigger potential terrorist operations uh, than these seven countries. And one of those countries is Syria. You have kids who are getting their limbs blown off, who are who are dying under rubble, uh, under rubble because. You know, Russia's bombing them, and we've started all these kinds of wars in Syria, and we just say, no, sorry, can't help you. I mean, it's it's very, it's yeah, I mean, very disturbing. I just want to say that the international community in regards to that we just blocked off Syrian refugees is absolutely, I mean, it's so damaging. It's incredible. I mean, and for me, I, be- I come from an international standpoint, generally, Um in, in most of my views, that's my biggest concern. Um, we've really, really made a, a big, big boo-boo with that one because we probably, any of the people that we sent back, they probably just have more reason to hate us and they probably will go and join ISIS now, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and we've made way more enemies from this than kept ourselves safe. And that's my opinion. And I do think it was a Muslim ban. Yeah, listen, I, I think you're, you're, that's completely right. We don't understand... I don't think we fully grasp grasp that that we're in a lot of ways this has given fuel to the fire to fuel the reason why um, the East hates the West when it comes to to this kind of stuff because this gives ISIS more more uh, rhetoric to feed their their side. Hey, this see look they're banning they're banning poor children from coming into the U.S. because they hate Muslims or whatever it is. They they can spin this stuff so good. And people believe it. People believe it. It does not help solve tensions. It doesn't help solve the problem of ISIS. Listen, you can bomb ISIS all you want. It's just going to make another group come up because the more we bomb them, the more we terrorize. I mean, even even the operation in Yemen that happened under under President Trump recently. You know, we just went in there. There was no yeah. good intel. We just shot a bunch of people, killed some civilians. Could you imagine if a government was in our country shooting civilians? I mean, picture that. If we had a different, if we had a government, if we had Iran in here who was an Islamic country and they were just shooting civilians all the time, we would say, oh, you know what? This is crazy. We have to go terrorize their country. We have to go do all these crazy things. It's very easy to see it when the shoe's on the other foot, why we can keep fueling this fire. And these, these kinds of bands that are so generalized and they're just one big sweep, they don't help anything, especially when, like you said, Justine, we have not had one terrorist attack from any of these countries. I think, I, I believe I read since, since 2001, September 11th. I mean, that's almost what six uh 16 years we're talking about no i'm i'm mm-hmm. fully in agreement with you justine on this one and rob is definitely wrong boom rob you're wrong <laughs> all right fine <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm very passionate about that one in particular so but and i i didn't want it to sound like i was saying this was a great idea i support the ban either i'm gonna spin I, this right rob's a trump supporter <laughs> rob loves trump and I posted everywhere. No, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot what, what we yeah. what we were even talking about before this. 
Neither. Yeah. I. I no, no idea. I think we were talking about Trump. Oh, I know. We were, we were. I was asking you about. Um, just we were talking about kind of the hate on both sides and how the hypocrisy on a lot of these different issues. With you know, well, you know, uh, don't make inappropriate comments about Obama, but hey, Trump, we can make fun of him all we want, and uh, just kind of that hypocrisy that I think we're kind of seeing. <laughs> both sides have just switched sides. So whatever liberals were saying in 2008 about Obama is what conservative conservatives are saying now, and whatever uh, conservatives were saying about Obama in 2008, we have liberals saying that now about President Trump. You know, I mean, a great example. There's a great montage on on YouTube of when Obama first got in office, all the executive orders that he issued. And it's just a montage of Fox News. Oh, this guy's a tyrant. We're living under the rule of executive order. This is unbelievable. We want a king, not a president. I mean, it's word for word. And now that uh, Trump is signing all these executive orders, oh, this is great. It's raining executive orders. Literally, that's the actual wording that they use. We're so happy he's making the country right again. So they don't really care about executive orders. They just care who's issuing the executive orders or what the orders are. What they are, yeah. And what what the orders are, what the orders are doing. And I think for at least half of the the country – what Trump is doing is he's not uh, he's not a uh, doing what they want. Um, however, if you to me, in my opinion, the the kinds of executive orders that Trump is is making is a I just find them a lot more concerning um, in general. I think that they, there's a lot of human rights issues going on with some of these some of these orders, mm-hmm. um, environmental rights, which I'm a big advocate for, also. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can kind of, these are concerning to me. Um, so yeah, it just depends what side you are. And I, I, I do see your point and I see for sure there are more and more, um, you know, conserv- generally, I think conservatives within the last couple of decades have kind of been known to have these very extreme, um, news sources, right? And now mm-hmm. you're seeing more and more progressive um, extreme news sources, and that's not a good thing right. um, at all. I don't think so. It's a warped way of looking at things, and I hope that people aren't just reading, you know, Brett Bart um, or you know Huffington Post or whatever. Um, those aren't good news sources. They aren't reputable. Yeah. Um, they paint things very, very, uh, very one-sided, and uh, I think that going to be a challenge for Americans is to start reading. <laughs> start First, start reading. And second, to start reading and, and understanding that and accepting that they're, you know, maybe not reading the right sources and not getting the full picture. No, no I scroll through my Facebook feed and I read news article headlines. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm very well versed. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the other side. I, I, I think that that's really... The big side effect of, of these um, polarizing websites is that they don't bring people to the table to want to talk and actually have the conversation, right? They just want to post their article on Facebook. They want to defend it on Facebook through via just dumb talking points, and then they no one gets changed. But when you have that in-person conversation, like even though we're having right now, right? I mean, imagine this kind of conversation over Facebook. It wouldn't be nearly um, this enjoyable, frankly, or even peaceful or just even open. I'd be, I'd be so walled off and vice versa. But the when you're in person with someone or you're talking with them, it changes the way you have the conversation. And that's one of the downsides of the social media 
um, kind of boom is that there's no more room. People can hide behind a keyboard and say really insulting things to other people and they can't be forced to have that honest conversation. And it's frustrating because you're right. They, you know, whether it's Huffington Post or it's Breitbart or whatever it is, people or, or, or these other, especially on the, and maybe it's just my Facebook feed, but I see so many completely bogus right-wing news stories. I mean, so bogus that people post as as gospel and they're from Christians. And I, I'm, I'm like banging my head against the keyboard thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we posting such ridiculous articles? This is no joke. One article I saw was around, the title was something like um, Muslims ban Christmas from town in Sweden or something like that. And what actually happened? What actually happened was that the township made um, people take down their decorations off of the street poles because the street poles were out of date, and they were worried about them collapsing. But that article was twisted into Muslims caused that to happen, and it's like that's that's ridiculous. And if but if people believe it, and it feeds this narrative that 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 the majority of of Islam just wants to conquer everyone and kick Christ out of Christmas and kick God out of the Constitution and impose Sharia law. I mean, for eight years, I heard all I heard was. Obama wants to help Islam institute Sharia law. And here we are eight years later, and no such thing has happened because it's it's pure fear-mongering. Yeah. Anyway, I'm off my, my, yeah, my tangent. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And I think something that we should all take into consideration is that unlike the Obama administration, Trump is really supporting those kinds of alternative facts. Um, and <laughs> nice that's work. very terrifying for me. Um, that's scary. When you start to attack the media, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that is a sign. And I think that's why people get so upset. And I think that's why people start to call him Hitler, because it's, it's seen as kind of a controlling of the nation when you attack journalists. I, listen, um, their uh, job- yeah, got it. I didn't even cut you off there. You're going to cut me off? No, I said I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry about that. Uh, no, no, no. I think that's why, I mean, whether or not, you know, we agree with those those words, but I think that's where it, it starts to stem from. They're, they're you know, his, when he, when, if, if he was making these executive orders, it's not just that, it's the combination of that. And also, you know, him himself, the president of the United States, stating incorrect facts and just refusing to hear anything. <laughs> you can't make it up. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, I'm sure you saw the first ever press conference from the White House. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how could you not laugh? Like, literally, this guy picks a battle that doesn't even matter and says completely fake things, fake things that 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 are not true at all, at all. I mean, there were so many things he said that just were not accurate, and they still defend it. And then you have Kellyanne Conway on freaking MSNBC saying, "Oh well, these are all these are alternative facts." I mean, again. Picture Obama saying that. Oh, my goodness, the biggest liar in the history of the world. But because Trump says it, oh, no, it's, it's true. They're alternative facts. I mean, it, I, I agree. It, it, is, it is unprecedented what we are seeing. I also think about there was a video um, um, of Trump uh, speaking about Black History Month that's like four and a half minutes long, where I would say about three minutes of that is him bashing the media, calling CNN fake news and talking about himself, and then sprinkling in a little bit of, you know, um, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there is, there are, there are differences. There really are. Um, and I, my frustration on my side is I am open to conversations. I, I don't agree. I am 
pretty much your stereotypical liberal, I think, on most like fronts, except maybe sometimes like fiscally or financially, um, depending on what it is. Um, but I I find it really difficult to try and have conversations with with people who who try and and just refuse to believe the correct facts. You know, I can do everything I can to have like statistical or peer reviewed you know articles and bring them up, and they just will not believe it um, because they heard something on on Fox News or Brett Bart. Um, and that's scary. And when you have a president encouraging that behavior, because those are the sources that paint him in a in a brighter light, um, you're really starting trouble, and you're creating division in the country even more so than it's already happening. Yeah, no, you're right on. I mean, look, there's always you can always there's always two sides to that story. Of course, there were tons of things that were done in secrecy with Obama administration when it comes to drone strikes and bombing and all this kind of stuff as well that I think the media didn't really call out as much as they should have, and that's I think also what has fueled that fire of this quote unquote fake news, you know, kind of terminology being thrown around. I mean, also I think with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders when those emails came out uh, about Clinton kind of openly admitting a lot of things that you know weren't too flattering. The media as a whole, I think, was pretty silent on some of those issues. You know, I think that was the, that was a time for the media to really step up and say, "Whoa, this stuff is is crazy." I, I feel bad for Bernie. I think I honestly think that he got that uh, his primary completely stolen because he was, in my opinion, for sure. I think definitely the front runner. So there's definitely you no. know sides to to pick yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. I mean, Bernie Sanders. I mean, it was complete voter fraud. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's also a fact, um, and that painted her. I mean, and I think that's a, a quite a big reason why she lost. Mm-hmm. Um, people, she did not have the trust um, of the citizens. I think she did not also relate with a lot of young feminists, um, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's. Uh, it's it's hard. I just my worry is you know yes Obama did secret secret things and um, bad things absolutely uh, his his uh, dealings in Iraq were not very good. Mm. Um, I didn't approve of what he was doing with the budget. Um, yep. But his, I mean, just the the pure fact. I think there is really really huge differences between his administration and his cabinet and what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worries, it worries a lot of people way way more, um, and I think there are rights. I mean, time will time will tell, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's that. The the, the, the one silver lining in this, though, that I do like is that at least with Trump, he is pretty inexperienced, and by pretty inexperienced, I mean completely inexperienced, and so uh, he can't be nearly as secretive. I think. Than maybe someone like a Hillary Clinton could have, or, or or Obama was. So a lot of this stuff is out in the spotlight. On top of the media, I think genuinely just not liking him much. So if there is any positive side to this, is that a lot of this stuff is is out there for everyone to see, and I think it does. You know, um, it just helps. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I the only way, only way I can really justify like me being happy about about President Trump being in office is that if Clinton was in office, she's way more sneaky and secretive and knows the game way better to hide things that people would never know about that are major problems in our system. But I don't think Trump is that sneaky, and we're kind of seeing that. He's just so brash and so unapologetic and so off the cuff that we're able to see the cracks much more blatant, which I think is a good thing because then we know how to fix them going forward. Mm-hmm. So that's my I mean, piece. I, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still, I mean, me, I, I don't think you're ever going to get a clean politician. That's just how I feel. Mm. Um, but there are levels of cleanliness. And <laughs> yes. Yes. Bernie Sanders was was the cleanest of them all. He was white as snow. No, that was his hair. <laughs> ah, well, listen, Justine, it was great having you on uh, the episode. I don't want to keep you too much longer. It's been a little bit of time. Um, but I appreciate you coming on because when I posted about this on Facebook, I had several people who reached out to some of their other feminist friends, and a few of them said, oh, he's pro-life? No, I won't go on the show. And I was kind of bummed out about that. So I appreciate that you were able to come in and have an open dialogue and just kind of talk about things honestly um, and kind of you know just have that conversation. I think it's important because this podcast, I think, reaches mostly Christians and Sometimes you just have to hear things from the horse's mouth directly. You know, like, hey, here's what we really think about certain things. Here's, hey, we agree. Maybe we shouldn't be so vulgar or whatever it is. It's just nice to hear that because that means that there's common ground and you can work with common ground. That's the good news. You know what I mean? So it was great having you on. Yeah, thank you. And and I hope, um, I hope that, you know, conversations are started with feminists, even though you're pro-life, but... I think people are scared to get attacked these days anyway on both sides. Yeah. But we have to start talking. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I'm a little bummed that we didn't get to the heart of feminism. But What? What's the heart of feminism? So the question I had... Well, why didn't you speak up earlier? Because then it went to politics, <laughs> and oh that's my. where I just check out. <sighs> what, what was your question? Well, now it's late. This question just, is going to... At least ask it. All right, fine. Fundamentally, feminism says that men and women are exactly the same. Is that is that a true statement in your mind? No. It's not that men and women are exactly the same. It's that men and women deserve the same, you know, fair treatment. There you go, Rob. Okay. That's from the feminists that I've talked to, it it, it hasn't been that simple. Are you talking, Rob, about like at Target there shouldn't be a girl section and a boy section? There that be that just, comes just into a toy it. Section. Yeah, culture has defined what a boy should be playing with versus what a girl should be playing with. Culture has defined a man's role versus a woman's role. Culture has defined all of these things. And from what I've spoken to other feminists about, um, that that is really culturally defined when hardwired and when it gets down to the biological nature of it men and women are exactly the same other than well, I mean, body this, parts this, for me um i think that you know there's a difference between gender and sex right so gender is kind of what we that's the cultural part they're talking about right so yeah i hate pink and the reason i hate pink is because every single girl toy when i was growing up was pink and it I hated it. I just, it was like an overload of pinkness and I never liked the color and now I hate it. Um, I can't stand the color anymore. And that's just society, you know, forcing me at, for whatever reason, pink is a girl's color apparently. Um, but so there, there are, I mean, you can't deny that there are gender influences even when we're very small. There are, um, there are women who are geared into certain, you know, professions and also men. This happens for men too, and it's also not fair for them. You know, there are men who want to just be fathers, um, and they're very frowned upon in society in general. 
still. Um, and it's the same thing for women who just want to work and don't want to have kids. It's the same thing. So there are roles um, that society kind of shapes through gender roles, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't say, you know, and I think there are scientists who argue both sides. Um, there are experiments that they do um, with people um, kind of seeing, like, where does the biology, like, the biology start and the cultural influence, you know, end. Um, and it's very hard to argue and it's very hard to see. But there, I think it's important to admit um, that there are gender, uh, you know, influences on our life. You know, when you look at toys and stuff like that, um, there there are. There are. Uh, most boy toys are really about, like, building and creativity and um, it does gear them into STEM-related fields, which make more money. Um, I think there's truth to that. Yeah, no, and I, I don't disagree. And I I had a lot of friends, uh, even in engineering school, which were involved with the Society of Women Engineers and and reaching out to younger girls to get them involved into those STEM programs earlier on. So I, I definitely agree. And there is that, that toy set I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but the, 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 um, the toys were Lego? geared for girls that were more stereotypically put to the boys. I can't remember what the name is that are more in line with what you were saying that, um, they, they appeal to the female children mm-hmm. in the same sense that, you know, like Legos or, uh, the erector set would appeal to the boys uh, growing up and yeah. trying to get them engaged in those things early on as well. Yeah, just like baby dolls, you know, um, and my mom will attest to this, like, I also hate baby dolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just because they were really forced on you at a really early age, um, and I never, ever wanted a baby doll in my whole life. My biggest... My 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 best toy was an electric car with a little remote. Um, Solid but, choice. I mean, yeah, there are, there, yeah, it's a good one, right? Um, there are uh, problems with that, you know, and also it's a, it's also a marketing scheme um, because if you have two toys, one's blue and one's pink, the parent has to buy two, right? Right? If they have a boy and a girl, they can't buy one. Um, it's a marketing ploy, and um, on top of kind of. Uh, you know, affecting the, the psyche of a lot of our, what, what is a man and what is a woman? And that goes both ways. Um, I also, I do feel, I have most of my male friends are, um, you know, really nice guys who, who, uh, you know, there are a few of them who just want to be dads. They like the idea of being a same at home dad. And a lot of women are tending to make, um, you know, more, more women are going to college than men these days. And, like, I think our generation is going to kind of see a kind of flip in roles. Um, but we have to also accept that, um, too. And I think right now that's not really how it is. Yeah. No, I, I, can, I can see that, yes. Great. So we're, we're in agreement then. Yeah, but we didn't go I down that so. whole trail. Well, yet. we can't. It's been. Right. That's what I'm we're going to lose our audience. And poor Justine here has to get up for her job tomorrow because she's a good working woman. So, <laughs> I'm I'm a good working yeah. man. I don't have to get up for my job. <laughs> Not really. No, uh, actually, I know you do as well. But 
Listen, we're in agreement. We why don't we end on a high note then? All right, uh, this part of the of the conversation. So, Justine, once again, thank you for coming on, um, and we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, a very good conversation. Yeah, let me know if you ever want to talk about feminist or politics again. Definitely, we will. Have a great night, okay? You too. Right, Bye. Right. Well, that was pretty interesting, Rob. Yes, it was. That was cool. I like I said, I wanted to get a little more deeper into feminism and the topic of men versus women, but we didn't we but, went down politics. But but you didn't tell me any of this till right now on the air. Wait, wait, wait. You asked me earlier today, what do you want to talk about? I told you to talk about feminism. You yes. had you had literally almost twelve hours to tell me where you wanted to go with this conversation. No no no. But because I thought we were going to feminism. Well, we did. Feminism yeah. is it's incredibly political. Yeah. I, I didn't mean for it to go down that road. It just kind of went there. You know, right. I must have. Maybe I'm biased myself. Maybe I have like a political bias. You, you have a very political bend. You <sighs> always tend to go there. I don't mean to. I think it's. Just, and I was talking to a friend on the phone about this today. I think it's because I just see them as so merged in our culture, politically, religiously. Like all these views get tied into political ideas at the end of the, at the end of the day, and I, I, that's probably why I tend to lean that way. And that's a problem. I see. Probably is a problem. Not, I don't mean to. Not, I'm not saying for with you. Oh. I'm saying in our culture that Christianity or religion and politics are merged. I see that as an issue. Right. Which we've talked about before, moral majority and all of that. Right. I just, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I just feel like the, the whole thing that sparked this even idea of a podcast was, was the Women's March, which is political. So I think... That's why that's kind of where I was thinking about the conversation going was kind of down that road and the inconsistencies that we have seen and stuff. And it was interesting to have her on. I appreciate her candor about abortion, though, which is funny that you say that the Women's March was political. I I think it was this year. It was political. Yes. Not in the past. However many years that has been going on. Well, I think it always is political. I just think that 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 given that the person in the White House was not for abortion it became uh like a protest it, yeah it became in the spotlight almost, right right or... yeah exactly and also it was huge it was all around the world right. this time around so that plays a big part of it as role uh, as well i think so um yeah I, I mean i didn't mean for it to go only political but i don't know i just feel like where else is, gonna, is it really going to go now the point you brought up i thought was really good only you didn't tell me about this till earlier <laughs> or until in the moment so we're an hour in Right, I I agree. We didn't have time to spend. Discussing. I wish we did. We should we should right. have went there. That would have been great. I mean, honestly, though, I feel like that was pretty level headed. There wasn't anything too extreme about it. No, and, and but I think if we would have got more into the the deeper, you know, levels of feminism, where we start to look at what does the Bible describe as a man and women, the roles associated, versus what does feminism describe as those roles and I think we could. There'd they, be more of a difference. Well, they might be more aligned than you would think, though. I mean, what do you what do you assume is the difference? Like, what? And again, we're just assuming now, for sake of you know, Justine not being on anymore. What would you assume are the big differences? So I think, like I said when she was on, one of the things that I've just come across just in conversations or battles, as they probably were at that point, was. Men and women aren't tr- aren't treated as they are. They're essentially the same, and they should be treated as such. And yes, positionally, 
I would agree with that sentiment that men and women should be treated equally. However, they shouldn't be treated as the same from a, I don't, I'm not. I know what you're trying to say. Thank I you. Think, <laughs> I think. Well, let me try and read your mind because yeah. I couldn't read it earlier, apparently. Right. Um, are you trying to say that like the same as in they are identical, meaning there's no there's no separation of roles, there's no different strengths and weaknesses, right. they're just the same. So right. a woman is just as strong as a man in hand-to-hand combat, as like being a very black and white example of what someone might say or something like that or... Yes. Or like, like, like in the house, they are completely equal with the same roles. There's no reason why a man can't clean and a woman can't fix the car. Right, but I would, I would say there is no reason why a man can't. I spend a good amount of time cleaning and doing laundry. Okay, so then what are you trying to say? That's I don't, what I, I think, don't know. That I, 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 I think, think it has to be more defined. Well, I think that's the other side of it, though, is that when you really break it down, I don't think many people now, like like she said on 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 this episode tonight, you always have extremes, and that's true for anyone. You have extremes everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone in the feminist movement or on the other side of that conversation is going to disagree that men and women, um, are are different. They're created differently, but they deserve equal rights. Right, so like, let's say you and Julia had the same exact schooling and the same exact job. You would hope that you'd be getting paid the same, and that not one getting paid less because she's a woman or because she might be pregnant or whatever it is. Right, right. We want we want equality in that sense. But if your mind is great for fixing things, and Julia has an eye for detail, there's nothing wrong in your role being the fixer of the house and wanting to fix those problems, and Julia wanting to detail clean the stove every week because she just likes doing that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But I think the other, I think what you're saying is that you can feel like sometimes feminism would, would shun that and say, "Oh, why is Julia cleaning? That is so beneath her." Is that what you're kind of saying? Right. Yeah. And that's I, that's and, the front that I'm coming at. And I think Justine would say, "No, if she wants to do that and she's not being forced to, or, or she feels like in order for her to be a good wife, she has to. There's nothing wrong with her being the person who primarily cleans the stove." Right. And I think that was one of my kind of my initial question to Justine was on that front does she feel that the louder more hyper feminist voices are are what is what how most people view feminism which is as you even stated men can't do anything right and we should probably just get rid of them is some of those very strong hyper right. voices right which that's what people, when they think of feminists, that's what they think of. They don't, they don't right. think of a Justine who has a more level-headed approach and wants to discuss and right. talk about it. Well, that, that's probably true for a couple of different reasons. One's probably because um, certain news outlets who want there to be a battle will probably just only air that and have those talking points. Right. Again, going back to someone like Sean Hannity, he's never going to give feminism a fair break. He would just say that it's extreme and hopeful the most extreme people he can find to, to just quote all day on his talk show. That's mm-hmm. one side of it. The other side of it is that you know, controversy and people who say crazy things happen to sell. I mean, I think about TBN, you know, like those, you know, the televangelist network, those guys get to speak for a lot of people, but I think that they're crazy and cuckoo. And I, I wonder, do people think that all Christians believe that nonsense? I would hope not, you know, but unfortunately I think they do. Right. Because they have the loud voice, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So yeah, no, I know what you're saying, but I think that as a whole though, that, um, most feminists would probably say, Hey, if Julia loves doing that and she doesn't feel like she's subjugated or subjected, uh, is that the right word? Subjected to you? Maybe. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it gets it gets a little tricky because, and this is something that I've had to battle with Sarah, 
Sarah's like, I want to follow you. I'm like, okay, but I want you to be independent as well. <laughs> like we have the opposite problem where I'm, I'm very the opposite of, I know I don't want you to sub, sub, uh, just sub, say it, submit. Oh, I hate that word to me at all. I'm like, I want you to have your own personality and your own thoughts. And I want to empower you to be really, um, self-sufficient person and not have to feel like you have to follow my rule and my reign. That's not what I want at all. That's a tyrant, not a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to talk through that. You know what I mean? I think that a feminist will re- can, or again, we're using this person as an example, but a feminist could read the book of the Bible where it says that and just not knowing the context, just rip it out and say, see, the Bible wants women to be submissive. Even that word has a whole different cultural meaning than what it does now. When I yeah. hear the word submit, I think of like, MMA and tapping someone out or and I think you know, that's the that's the context that it's seen in most often now right emotionally just like bending someone to, to, to your will like saying yeah. listen Julia I'm in charge of you I don't care what you want to do you're going to clean that stove with detail I don't care what you say <laughs> here's a toothbrush exactly I think it's that kind of mentality versus what we're actually talking about because I think in a Christ-centered marriage hopefully there's a healthy share of leadership and um, and thought process I mean there are times where Sarah will ask me or just tell me listen just, just make the call I'm cool with whatever but I'm always like well what do you want to do what do you think how should we do this I want all your input and then we can decide as a family Mm -hmm. but people don't always understand that part and also there have been some Christians who have abused that I mean there's no doubt about that the extremists (laughs) kind of making a bad name for things that when used right are make for amazing marriages Mm -hmm. amazing marriages but yeah one of the one of the verses that I think is most misunderstood is actually in early Genesis when the judgments are handed down to Adam and Eve Right. He says to Eve that your desire will be for your husband, King James language. Right. Right. It doesn't mean that her, you know, physical desire is for her husband. Too like, bad, like, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be great. It means I mean, you are going to desire your husband's position. Right. Right. And I, I, so that was what, 6,000 years ago where yeah. the Bible said, this is going to be a problem. And right. what do you know? 6,000 years later. It's a problem. It's a problem. And I, it's just from my personal experience, I think that is what's being lived out in the feminist movement. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a side of that movement right. that I think would advocate for that. I mean, there was that girl on Facebook. I don't know if you saw that crazy girl talking about how we should just kill men. I, I yeah, think, I I think s- she was That's the video real. that I was... I don't know if she was... Cr- I don't know. Yeah, Who it's knows, like this but, has to be... Like, like satire. This right. Is, it, <laughs> how are you going to have children? The the race will cease to exist. Right. There's so many <laughs> normal logical questions that anyone would agree on that make that a really dumb idea. But um, anyway, it was good having just seen on. It yeah, was. Sure. I, I, I didn't want to go down the abortion, you know, hole too deep because we've discussed it already and here, and we, I don't want to. I'm not going to change her mind. She's not no. going to change mine, even though I think the science is pretty clear on that. And she did mention the word life several times, and I appreciated. One thing I respected about what she said, even though I disagree with it, was that, you know, it's which life do you value more? Like, I think that's the heart of what we're really talking about when it comes down to abortion is... Right. I matter more than my baby or my baby matters more than me. Right. Which is really the conversation you have to start having. And then you can get, I think, into different aspects of what that actually means and how you break that down and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But then that comes down to your worldview. You know, I think that comes down to where you get your moral source from. There's all the stuff is really connected, you know, but I didn't want to have that... 
I didn't want to have that that abortion. No, it wasn't. On the it air. wasn't the time or place. No, and I don't think so either. So if people were looking for some great big brawl, and for me just to put Justine in her place, you know, like a big sexist man that I am, yeah, it, it wasn't going to happen. Which is good because that's not the point of having this podcast. Because that's what Facebook is for. If you want to degrade people, just do it on Facebook, right? Um, which I need to stop doing. Not degrading people. I just have to get off Facebook because I get way too involved with things that. Yeah, I I removed it from my phone because I, I was so to. tired. I have to. I mean, it, it's it's not Facebook anymore. It's polit it's political politibook. That's what it's yeah. called. Politibook. It's just all politics, all different sides, all news, all fake news. It's all in there. And it's the de personifying of people. That's totally. that's what Facebook is. It's you're not a person. I don't have to worry about your feelings or how you how you feel or how you think. I don't have to worry about all of that because you're just a screen and I'm talking to you with a keyboard. Yeah. So I can make fun of you however I feel and degrade you as much as I want. Yeah, it's super just inappropriate. Well, anyway, um, okay, time to wrap up because it's an hour and a half into this podcast and we're going to lose our people pretty soon. Uh, they've already left. That's it's true. just us. Um, well, next week, guys, or whenever we post it, we'll have Shane on the podcast. And I promise I will try not to get too far down the political side of it. Just really keep it on the issues. I'll keep them in line. Yes. If there's anything you want me to ask him, please, now's the time to email. Rob, what is that email that no one ever emails us at? <laughs> oh, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com. Ding, ding, ding. That's the one. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, if you like the podcast, please share it. We're on iTunes. We're on our website. We're on, is there an Android version of podcasts? I don't know, probably. Like Android Cast or something. We're on all that stuff. <laughs> so spread the word, and we will see you guys next time when we have Shane on, on the podcast. See you then. Here come your ravens Swooping in from the heavens They've got more seeds for your servants